and to me it's uh, it, it's really a, a feedback loop and so it's uh, it's never ending and so that ICP is evolving over time it's not a one shot you find your ICP you're, you're good to go and so you need to have that uh, mindset in terms of uh, the feedback loop and never being uh, happy about finding your ICP that helps you open and thrive in foreign markets. This is Steve here, your host speaking, and today we're focusing on the United Kingdom. For those working on this market, we can all acknowledge, I think, how fierce the competition usually is. Therefore, breaking into this geography could prove to be mm, not so easy. Edward Epo, head of sales UK in my traffic, will disclose how they have managed to find product market fit there and start scaling sales over the past two years. A key aspect for him was to focus on refining their ICP, aka ideal customer profile, and he will explain why. Stay tuned. Hi, Edward. Thank you so much for joining the International Corner Podcast. How are you doing today? Yeah, great. Thanks. What about you? Yeah, I'm doing great as well. Thank you. And I'm very excited to talk about how you guys in my traffic managed to find product market fits in the UK. But perhaps before getting into today's matter, could you introduce yourself to the audience, uh, maybe a, a little bit about the role you have uh, at my traffic and what my traffic is? Yeah, sure. Uh, thanks for receiving me first. Uh, it's, uh, it's a real pleasure. My pleasure. Uh, to share my uh, my experience, uh, what works, uh, my mistakes as well, uh, <laughs> with, I would say, uh, a fellow uh, French entrepreneurs going into the UK or whoever is listening to it. Um, so, yeah, just in terms of uh, um, uh, my background, um, uh, I've started working at My Traffic seven years ago. Uh, when we were uh, a team of six, uh, uh, in, in France, um, um, I had quite a different roles at my traffic. The first one was, uh, head of data and advisory. So, uh, essentially, uh, uh, conducting, uh, consulting missions for, uh, for our clients. Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of what we do at my traffic as well, um, uh, worth mentioning that, uh, we are a data company, uh, selling, um, Uh, a software uh, where you can have some data on locations. So essentially in our industry, uh, what we say a lot is that the most important is about the location, the location and the location. And we try to give our clients some data for them to assess whether or not it's a good location, which explain as well uh, why uh, when, we, when we started, we had uh, some consulting uh, in addition to the, the software because you can do a lot of different things uh, with the data and answer uh, many different questions as well. So that was my uh, my first role and uh, worth mentioning as well that uh, uh, I was part, I would say, of the, the, the first team and the, and the product market fit in France, uh, trying to find uh, essentially uh, how to present this data to, uh, to our clients. Secondly, I was in charge of what we call the strategic accounts. Uh, um, our clients and I would say uh, rather big companies in retail and in real estate. Uh, I'll explain maybe a, a little bit later on uh, our uh, our ICP. Mm -hmm. And uh, lastly, uh, two years, a little bit more than two years ago, uh, middle of 2021, uh, when we bought some data uh, in the UK and also uh, other uh, Western European countries, Germany, Spain, Italy, uh, and after some... Uh, Uh, a good uh, first deal um, with uh, the A, the first A uh, in the UK. Uh, I had a, a bit of a coaching position back then. Uh, I was asked uh, to uh, uh, grow a team uh, in the UK uh, and and be in charge of the of the sales department there. And so that was uh, two years ago, and uh, and it's been uh, I would say a, a great experience. 
uh, for me uh, at, at my traffic. That's amazing. And, and definitely we'll deep dive a little bit more about what's your target audience, what happened during those two years, who made you guys successful there. Uh, definitely looking forward to it. Perhaps just before that, let's have the icebreaker right now. Just imagine you have a dice, six faces. Just pick a number and I will read you a question. All right. Uh, let's say five. Okay, number five. Okay, all right. Mm, tell me what you wanted to do as a job what uh, w when you were younger and how it maybe has inspired you to, to do what you're doing today. Uh, all right, interesting one. Uh, reminds me of uh, what I liked uh, when I was a, a child and uh, my favorite games. Uh, my two favorite games were uh, uh, the strategy games, uh, you know, the board game Risk and the, uh, the Age of Empires, you know, mm. all that strategy building of uh -huh. your empire and civilization uh -huh. uh, that I liked a lot. And uh, a second uh, second one I, I really liked was the uh, the Monopoly, which is kind of fun. Uh, when I was applying to a strategic consulting uh, back then was seven eight years ago because uh -huh. I was just thinking about it, thinking that uh, it was a, a little bit of a mix in between a strategy and business, mm -hmm. uh, which makes it maybe a bit boring as a child, uh, not wanting to be a, an astronaut or a, a firefighter or whatever, but uh, that, that was it. And, uh, and I think that, um, you know, uh, uh, coming from uh, an engineering background, and I think it will also... Uh, makes sense when we will discuss about data and tools and all of that uh, a little mm -hmm. bit later on. Uh, uh, having a double degree in uh, a business school and uh, a major in entrepreneurship, I'm really happy uh, about where I am today and uh, and being uh, and being a head of sales and uh, and uh, being in uh, smaller companies when there there is everything to be done uh, and to be uh, strategized as well coming mm, back on uh, the Edge of Empires thing. So yeah, that will be my uh, my answer. Uh -huh. That's interesting how you twisted my questions. Basically, you didn't talk about what uh, you wanted to do when uh, when you were younger, but you talked about game. Fair enough. That works. That works for me. Um, all right. So let's deep dive into today's matter. Um, before we talk about product market fit and, and what that means to you, let's maybe focus on, on my traffic just a, a little bit. Can you tell us a little bit more about what is your target market? What kind of uh, companies are you guys targeting? If you can share um, maybe a little bit uh, of uh, insights about the average deal size or sell cycle length so that we can understand uh, what we are talking about today. Yeah, sure. Of course, it evolved uh, in the last uh, in the last seven years. Mm -hmm. um, I think w w uh, when we started the company, uh, or when we started selling at at my traffic, I wasn't there at the very very beginning uh, when the company was started, but rather one of the of the of the first employees. Uh, the first end market was retail, and deep diving a little bit more on that end market was uh, retailers. They open. Uh, some new stores and they need, I would say, the perfect location on those, uh, on those new stores. Okay. Uh, um, and that's, that's where we help. Uh, that can be retail, but that can be F&B as well. You know, the likes of McDonald's, Starbucks and, and mm -hmm. all of that. There are some specificities, but I would say the, uh, the use case is, uh, is rather similar. Uh, so that's, uh, I would say, uh, one or two uh, uh, end markets. Just, just a sec, Edward. Yeah. For those who don't know, can you just explain what what FMB means, please? Ah, uh, yeah, sure. Uh, food and beverage. Uh, okay, okay. So that would be the the grocery chains. Uh, you know, in the UK, Tesco, Asda. Uh, mm -hmm. In France, Carrefour. Uh, you, you know those guys. Lidl. Um, so that can be grocery chains. That can be as well. Um, Uh, quick service restaurants uh, like McDonald's, Subway, Five Guys, Popeyes, uh, just to name a few that are opening and, and I would say quite well known and opening some stores uh, as we speak. Mm -hmm. um, 
and uh, coffee chains as well is a, is a good uh, i would say a subcategory of the uh, of the fnb mm-hmm. uh, we work with the likes of uh, uh, black sheep coffee blank street coffee younger chains but uh, the starbucks of the world and and all of that are also uh, uh, good candidates so yeah fnb is i would say quite broad grocery quick service restaurants and uh, and coffee uh, coffee chains but also uh, you know even the um, some um, some brands uh, selling some uh, other types of foods can be mm-hmm. ice creams can be uh, whatever all right um, got it and in terms more of now state of internationalization where you guys at yeah. uh, right now basically like so we're, we're going to talk about the UK right but uh, how many countries are you guys in if there's any way you can share some 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 kind of perspective about um, uh, sh- shares of turnover maybe you know depending on on countries or region just so that we understand yeah sure uh well i'll I'll share what i can share and mm. disclose uh, of course uh so first the countries we are in so we started in france uh then we opened uh, uh quite a few countries uh across western europe the main five uh so france being the the first uh, would be france the uk germany italy and spain just in terms of i would say uh, uh, uh coverage population gdp uh and size of the addressable market we can have on those countries so i would say uh, the main five uh, we also have uh belgium and the netherlands smaller territories but quite interesting and we recently opened the nordics nordics being sweden denmark finland and norway uh and um It's only a, only a start. Uh, mm. So every time we open a country, we have a, a dedicated uh, data acquisition team uh, for the sourcing of the data and the treatment of the data and all of that. And uh, for sure, in the coming uh, quarters, years, uh, we'll have uh, even more countries at uh, at my traffic. Okay. So that's in terms of the... Yeah, go on. Yeah, no, go, go ahead, yeah. I would say um, the geographical coverage is quite important and interesting. Mm-hmm. Because uh, you have to buy, uh, and that's our business, you have to buy some uh, uh, geolocation data on those uh, on those countries. Mm-hmm. So um, you have to source it. It's uh, it's a real investment, and uh, it's a huge differentiator. And when, and we'll discuss, I'm sure, uh, a bit more about the UK, the competition there, and that was a key point for us uh, at my traffic and selling my traffic in the UK. To have that coverage, uh, and to be able to uh, pitch that coverage uh, to some of our uh, clients, some of them, uh, as you would guess, would be uh, super interested in that, and some of them uh, a lot less. But uh, mm-hmm. but yeah, it's a it's a key point, and and with the retail industry being more and more um, on an international level, uh, with uh, EMEA teams and all of that, it's uh, it's really a, a key differentiator. And we'll keep that in mind. And as you said, we'll probably deep dive about the coverage and, and, and how you uh, how it helped you, I guess, uh, sell in there uh, in the UK. Okay, got it. So the, the topic of today actually uh, is product market fit, especially there in the United Kingdom. What What does that mean to you exactly? I had the opportunity to think about it quite uh, quite a lot, and you know the the ICP uh, you can always dig deeper. So, so you ICP can say, meaning uh, uh, ideal customer profile, just for those who don't know. Oh yeah, <laughs> sure. Sorry. Um, the so the ICP you can think about it like okay, we are a tech company selling what we call location data, so data on physical places, uh, and I'll. Just talk about the retail example, uh, but we'll dive, I'm sure, on the other end markets as well a bit later on. Um, the a retailer having some stores is part of the ICP. I would say that's the first degree. But when you think about it and when you do some outreach, and we've experienced it in France, but we've experienced it in the UK as well, you need to refine that ICP. Because not all retailers 
would be potential clients for a company like my traffic. I'll just give you one example. In retail, it's quite broad. Um, so we've discussed F&B. Uh, retail can be uh, fashion, can be uh, jewelry, can be uh, whatever. You can sell some kitchens, some, uh, yeah, uh, whatever in retail. It's quite broad retail. And so we've divided the retail in different categories first. And we've experienced that some of them are a lot more uh, in research of our type of data. And I'll explain with a very concrete example. Uh, my traffic will tell um, the clients on which locations they will have the most food call. All right. So they will be the most visible. And so technically speaking, uh, they will be more likely to meet their audience and to generate a good turnover. Mm-hmm. I would say in a nutshell, that's, uh, that's our value proposition. That works super well for uh, fashion brands and especially, uh, you know, the uh, sneakers industry opening many, many stores uh, across Europe. They really like our data because you can just pass by, uh, you know, uh, a GD Sports or a Courier or this type of stores and say, okay, I want to buy a new pair of shoes. But for those retailers selling some as one example, and there are some, uh, Rent Kitchens in the UK, uh, 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 Xina in France, just giving you one brand name. Uh, it's completely different. It's what we call a destination type of retail. Mm-hmm. And so for that, you won't say, oh, I need to buy a kitchen now. So the footfall data of the location is not a good data point. And so that's why we refined our ICP into some of the categories in retail. So that was the first one. Second one, uh, in terms of the ICP, uh, what we sell, and that was one of your questions as well, is, I would say, rather expensive because we have some investment to buy the data, to put the data, uh, and all of that. So the, the average basket, and uh, or rather the license cost, will range from uh, 10,000 a year to half a million a year, depending okay. on how big you are as a company, depending on how many countries do you cover as a company, depending on what are the modules on the platform. So it can get quite expensive. Um, at the end of the day, you won't buy my traffic. You won't pay even uh, the small the small package at 10K a year if you have only 10 stores or 15 stores or 20 stores because that wouldn't make sense. It would be too expensive for you. If you just open one bakery, you won't use my traffic, even if the data could prove useful, just because it's not our ICP, it's not our end market, and we have decided to target uh, mid-market and enterprises uh, rather than uh, than the SMB. Okay, talking about a little bit like the, the product market fit, so for you, if I try to sum up, it's, um, I would say, a mix of finding the right audience basically, and you have to refine it. As you said, there's uh, several degrees, right? So that you have to, it's not because you said you can sell to all retailers, not all retailers are going to buy your your solution. You have to find um, the right, I would say like price range as well, because as you said, like you could go to the bakery, but then, I know, like they can't probably can't afford you and, and it's not profitable for you to go after bakery owners or unless you go like to a big bakery chain, I guess, who wants to open like thousands of uh, endpoints. But but yeah, for like the, the right price and uh, after, I guess, finding some kind of repeatability, I'm guessing in, in, in the way because you keep having some, um, some common uh, type of customers that goes into your pipeline and that end up closing the deal. Yeah, exactly. The, um, and, and also in terms of the, the type of clients we want to onboard, we don't want to onboard a client just opening five stores and, and, and that's it. Uh, mm-hmm. Because we are a tech company selling some mm-hmm. licenses. Uh, you know, the churn, uh, the, the percentage of client uh, leaving us uh, as, a, as, a, as a company, as a, as a vendor is, is super important. And today at my traffic, we are uh, um, doing some outreach on companies 
which are going to stay for three years, five years, 10 years. And that's what we experience in France. We have clients, uh, when I joined uh, in 2017, they are still clients today. And mm. that's what makes our business and our business model sustainable and uh, quite interesting for uh, uh, VCs, our clients and, and everyone in the, uh, in the ecosystem. All right. So a fourth criteria being scalability and, and cross-selling opportunities within accounts that you guys are targeting, I guess. What I would like to understand is how did you manage to find it, right? My traffic started to work on the UK market. Then, then you said you joined at some point, you started to, to coach the person, you know, who was focusing on the, on the UK market. How did it start? Did you guys start by saying, let's look at the target market in France. Let's try and go after the exact same one? Like, how did that work for you? Uh, yeah, I think it's, it was as well a collective approach. Um, and I'll deep dive uh, a bit later on. But uh, what I'm telling you, uh, when, I, when I started in the UK, I already knew quite a bit about that, uh, being at my traffic for uh, maybe uh, four years before, uh, before I started that role uh, in, in the UK. So I knew already that uh, I wouldn't target uh, target sorry uh, kitchen brands uh, in the UK. Just mm. as uh, just as one example. But then, uh, and again, it's a matter of uh, different degrees. Then I had to adapt as well uh, in terms of uh, in terms of the UK. And just giving you uh, two examples uh, on things I've uh, I've worked on. Uh, first, I quickly understood that we had much more competition in the UK and that most of that competition would be would be um, uh, local meaning they have the UK and most of them they have only the UK and so uh, thinking about it I understood that even if we were more expensive even if uh, they had good relationships uh, because they were local I would say historical players we would have a, a great opportunity being uh, a European player and having data on all those markets, I, all those markets I, um, I described a, a bit earlier. How did you find that? Uh, like, right, like, because we're talking about competitive advantage. How did you find it? Did yeah. you, was it a learning process because through deals, did you do like a market research? How did you come, how did you come up with that? I mean, that competitive advantage Uh, doesn't take you to be a genius to understand that if the if the retailer has uh, uh, many different countries, uh, first they might require some help on all those countries. Uh, secondly, sometimes they expanded into countries they know a lot less. You know, if you have uh, your chain in France and you open into the UK or vice versa, mm -hmm. uh, you are uh, it's, it's the same as being a salesperson uh, opening a new market. So uh, it's even more interesting to have data on markets you know a lot less about than your own markets. So that was the second thing. And then the fact that we are able at my traffic to have something consistent across all those markets, which means that we have the same data, the same treatment of that data, the same quality and accuracy of that data is really interesting. Uh, being a retail company, you don't want five vendors Uh, with five different methodologies in five different countries, if you can have only one and be able to uh, use the same data everywhere. Mm -hmm. So that being said, um, uh, once I found that the competition was uh, fiercer, I would say in the UK, I made uh, the request internally And uh, being quite uh, a fast-growing organization, we had a dedicated growth marketing and growth team. And we have uh, one uh, growth engineer, you know, a very a very smart guy uh, playing around the data, taking a look at the data online, building data sets and all of that. And so I asked this guy to help me and build a database saying, okay, Here are all the retail brands in the UK. Mm -hmm. Which ones are brands having uh, activities in more than one country, in more than the UK? And so that helped me uh, 
prioritize those companies based on the number of countries that they operate in and that we cover as a, as a company. Okay. So you looked at the competitive advantage. Basically, you, you built a database based on, uh, based on that. Uh, where did you find the data? Did you use any specific software like ZoomInfo? Uh, yeah, it's very specific, this type of data. So uh, no, they, are not, uh, they are not in the ZoomInfo type, uh, type of data. So that was more like something uh, we've done internally. All right, so you got the database uh, based on that. And then what happened? Reaching out to them, I guess, because you, you were presented with, with like emails, the right uh, target personas, I'm guessing. So your, your team started to, to, to reach out? Yeah, exactly. And then you, you need to understand uh, uh, what's, your, what's your persona, the job title being different uh, in, every, in every market. Uh, so you need to, to adapt. Um, uh, And it's more like a feedback loop. So the more you conduct some meetings, the more you understand that, ah, this job title that we don't have in France is mm. relevant. Or rather that, no, this job title uh, that we have and that is quite similar in between France and the UK is less relevant in the UK. So that's the, the first thing. And then it's a matter of, um, of volume because the more volume, the more there is that feedback loop. And so the more uh, successful you will, uh, you will be. How many people at that time when you were reaching out, trying to test out messaging, trying to find the right persona, how many people were doing the job in the UK? Um, just in, in terms of pure outbound, um, all BDRs, obviously, <laughs> we, are, we are doing and, and are doing some, uh, some outbound. Uh, A's, Uh, so account executives uh, doing the full uh, 360 uh, sales cycle are also doing some outbound. So uh, it's roughly uh, seven, eight people uh, doing some outbound in, uh, in the UK. So uh, having uh, that number of people, you can iterate quite fast uh, because they have uh, each of them uh, dozens of conversations every week. When I mean conversation, it's either on the phone and can be only one minute or a full meeting, a full discovery in between 30 and one hour, mm -hmm. 30 minutes and one hour. Uh, so you can iterate fast because you have dozens of those conversations per rep. And so when you sum up, uh, you can iterate. And so, okay, so uh, when you're talking about seven to eight, is that the numbers, like the current number right now of people or, or was it the same at the start when you just initiated the work? Uh, It evolved over time. Mm. So when we when we initiated the work, uh, it was just me, uh, the first AE, mm -hmm. and the and the first BDR uh, okay. at uh, at my traffic. Yeah, and then we we've hired some uh, some people uh, along the way. Mm -hmm. And what was interesting as well, I think, uh, when we come into uh, you know the hiring and all of that, uh, was the. Um, uh, the decisions and the analysis around the uh, territory planning and, and territory management uh, just to make sure that it's uh, organized and mm -hmm. that people uh, know exactly uh, where they should focus their work and make sure that they focus their work on, uh, on what's uh, the most interesting for the company, essentially. Okay, when you started to hire more than the first three of you guys on the UK market, yeah. At that time, did you already find the right target market, the right messaging, or did you, or did you have like more people coming in to actually still look for the product market fit, basically? I mean, it's uh, it's an endless process. So when when we hired, uh, when I hired the let's say a second A, second mm -hmm. uh, second BDR, I would say uh, some proportion of what I said I already knew. But not all of it. It's difficult to tell you, okay, was mm. it 20% or 70%? Um, yeah, 
but you, uh, but, you, uh, but you already had some customers, right? When you started hiring um, other yep. people in the team, like how many, if, if you can share how many customers or what was the, the turnover back then that made you guys say, okay, it's time to hire more people. What, what was the point, right? Where you said, let's grow the team now. We think we are ready. I mean, when we had quite a few deals, And also uh, in different categories. So it's not only one deal in retail. It's not only one deal in real estate. I didn't mm. mention real estate, but it's quite an interesting end market for us. Mm -hmm. You know, all those guys doing some investments on retail assets, mm -hmm. uh, the shopping center management companies, uh, the landlords, the uh, Unibuy, Rodamco, uh, Westfield of the world. Yeah. Um, and they have quite a, a, a lot of... Uh, a lot of shopping centers and, and a lot of money and they make decisions on uh, marketing budgets, investments on physical assets that are huge. So it's a, a big market for us. The decision to have a second A was, of course, once we had already some clients first, uh, those clients in different categories okay. as well. Uh, so that was not uh, only uh, in retail, only in real estate. And also that the uh, the average basket was good. And what we found in the UK is that the competition is quite fierce, uh, but it's uh, uh, quite a mature market, uh, fond of innovation. Um, there is money and th there are good deals to be made. And so mm. that's why once we've secured that uh, the number of clients might be enough because we have clients in different categories, uh, that the money for the company might be enough because the average basket was good, that it was time to grow a team and hire more people in, uh, in the UK. All right. Uh, very interesting. So can you tell me now, what are the differences you can see in the way you do business in the UK compared to what's been done in France, for instance? Right. Uh, let's take a, a step backwards. Um, and it's, it starts with the prospecting part, mm -hmm. even before uh, a meeting is, uh, is scheduled. And it's quite interesting to see that the UK is uh, uh, a competitive market. And I think the, and a very uh, innovative market as well with a lot of tech companies. So people are, I think they are being cold, cold all the time. And I, I'm saying that because uh, I could take a look at the stats. And it's way less likely someone is going to answer uh, uh, their phone in the UK uh, than mm -hmm. it is in France or, uh, I would say, the average uh, European country. Mm. So that's the first thing. Uh, uh, being a more mature market as well in our industry, uh, you can't just have a wow effect uh, just showing something basic uh, because that might be something they've already seen in the past. Mm -hmm. So even, you know, the, the messaging And the emailing should be uh, should be different, and that's why uh, I worked and there was a, a collective effort uh, with the sales ops uh, at my traffic, the growth team as well, uh, again on the tooling first and the data. And when you take a look at that, so the, the tooling being uh, the uh, outreach uh, software, uh, the contact data being the mobile phone numbers and the coverage of mobile phone numbers. And all of that, at the end of the day, it sums up and it's, uh, it's a real difference. And that's why, uh, by the way, I've uh, started uh, as, a, as, a side, uh, as a side project, uh, working with a, a friend of mine on, uh, on something to try to uh, help sales leaders uh, understand uh, among the uh, hundreds or even thousands of sales tools on the market. Uh, what are the, the best ones for their, uh, for their needs? Because that's, uh, that's a mess. And, uh, I thought that, uh, as a sales leader, that was a part of my job as well, not only to sell, but also to understand the tools and the data and, and all of that. And so that's why we are uh, launching this, uh, this side project <laughs> that I believe might be, uh, active when we, when we release that podcast. Uh, name being uh, salestechscout.com if you want to take a look at, uh, at it. <laughs> nice. Very on point, actually, because uh, data and information is key, as you mentioned. And just coming back, because that's interesting, you said yeah. that the cold calling battle is, is fierce. 
in the UK. Do you have a few tips or a few tricks you guys found that might help other companies working on the UK market to try and differentiate or try to get people hooked on the on the phone? Do you have yeah some some tips perhaps for us? Uh, I think it's a difficult question and it depends, of course, uh, on your on your industry. The uh, to me, the most important is to call a mobile phone number. That's mm. for sure. It's way more likely they're gonna they're gonna pick up. Uh, the usual stuff in terms of specific hours a day and specific days a week is kind of interesting as well. So again, I took like a, a data-driven approach, taking a look at uh, uh, the uh, probability of people answering their phone uh, depending on when you call them. And uh, I had that discussion with other head of sales in the UK. I think it depends on the industry. Uh, so my advice would be uh, uh, make some calls and make a lot of calls and then take a look at the data. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think what's in- interesting and the most important in call- calls is to deliver some value uh, and deliver some value real fast, uh, which means maybe in the first uh, 30 or 45 seconds. And that's something that uh, uh, we try to do uh, and more and more along the way. When we call someone, we have a reason to call them and if we can even share some data to share a bit of value and uh, as a, as a gift, even in a sense, that's a lot better to, um, for them to be interested and then to have a real conversation and then to have a meeting booked in the, in the agenda. And also to come back on your former question uh, around the differences, then you have also some uh, cultural differences. Uh, once you have that meeting and in terms of the sales cycle, so I've hired only um, native people and mm-hmm. people uh, based in the UK with some experience selling to people in the UK. It doesn't mean that that's uh, a requirement uh, because uh, as one example, I could sell myself in the UK. And as you can see, I'm the, the typical French guy. <laughs> uh, so it's not uh, uh, a deal breaker. I would say, but I think it helps. It helps to understand, and I, uh, I've learned quite a few things around uh, the communication in the UK, uh, around, you know, uh, maybe the directness, in a way, mm-hmm. of us French people, and how you should uh, appreciate many things, maybe be a, a lot more polite uh, in, in, in the UK in terms of uh, how you conduct a meeting, how you manage your sales cycle, how you ask your questions, uh, just to name a few. Mm. All right, so quite quite a few differences that are linked to um, also cultural differences. Uh, for instance, here in the example between between France and the UK, when you when you said you you hired uh, UK representatives, did you look for people that had? I would say a network already in the retail market or however industry you guys were focusing on, or did you focus more on, I don't know, trying to find like the hungry guy that, that maybe doesn't have that, that many contacts, but that just, you know, want to go after it. Uh, It's very specific what we sell and uh, who we are selling to, Mm -hmm. you know, those guys are taking decision on the uh, retail real estate uh, the expansion, new stores, openings, and, and, and all of that. So it's very specific. Mm-hmm. Um, the direct answer to your question is that we took a look at people being able to sell some SaaS, being able to sell some data, being able to have complex uh, discussions with C-levels. Mm-hmm. And that was the, the main criteria rather than uh, their network. And coming back to the, the other part of your question, uh, I would say that yes, being hungry is uh, really important. And from what I've seen, the more hungry the people were, uh, the more likely they were uh, they were to succeed. So it's uh, it's a key uh, it's a key element as well. Okay, key element as well. Perfect. And to come back on the cold calling part, if you look at your pipeline right now. I would say, would you consider that at least 80% of it is outbound generated, first question? And second, mm. is cold call your number one channel 
to 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 convert leads uh it's a key channel uh it's evolving because more and more people know about us in the uk Mm -hmm. And more and more, the marketing also is doing a tremendous work uh, on the, uh, you know, the content, the ads, the social presence on LinkedIn and all of that. It's shifting uh, a bit, uh, which means that uh, at some point when we, when we started, uh, mm -hmm. maybe uh, 95% of the meetings were uh, um, uh, outbound. And mm -hmm. now it's a lot less than the case. I don't have the, the most recent numbers, but I can see that we have more and more inbounds, which is uh, always a good news for, uh, for a salesperson. Um, in terms of the inbound, it's always a blend, a blend of cold calls, a blend of emails, a blend of LinkedIn messages as well. Mm -hmm. And that, uh, the, the last channel, uh, that is, I would say, um, uh, in between inbound and, and outbound is the event. And so the event being, uh, I would say, having a booth, uh, being visible in those events where you'll find your prospect has proven quite uh, impactful okay. for us. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've seen, by the way, that uh, some of our competitors who weren't there at those events uh, before, uh, they are now on, the, on those events as well. So maybe they... They, 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 they thought that we were right to be at those events and, uh, and made the same decision. Uh, but joke aside, the events, uh, I, I said it's a mix of outbound and inbound. Uh, because even if you attend some event, a lot could be prepared before the event and you should call those people and, and saying you'll be there at the event, booking some meetings, uh, for the dig day. And that happens before the event. So it's a mix of inbound and outbound, at least in my, uh, in my opinion. Mm, okay. Uh, that's, that's actually very interesting. So at the, at the start, as many of us, right, outbound led, you said 95%, and then slowly you guys started to have a little bit more uh, inbound uh, that have been generated. And you said events also were a part of, um, of what helped you generate that, uh, that pipeline that uh, actually closed. Very interesting. Mm. When you look at the work you guys have done, so that's been two years, right? Like uh, uh, working on the yeah. on the UK market now. Oh, yeah. Before, yeah. All right. So when you look at everything you've done, I would say, um, what do you believe you guys did really well that helped you in some ways, uh, either speed up the process of getting clients uh, or beat your competition i would say like could you could you find like that one thing i would say that that you believe you guys do like really good that you have mastered it across the past two years that 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 made you uh have a few clients and and, and you know started to scale uh i mean I, we discussed the icp uh earlier mm -hmm. uh and we even didn't discuss it fully because <laughs> it goes uh, way further. So I think that's the thing we, 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 we've done well. Because the, the outreach being even more difficult in the UK, you don't want to waste your time just speaking uh, with people uh, who won't buy your product at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. uh, so I think this is key and this is something we've done well and we've onboarded some, uh, some great clients in the UK with a rather higher average basket than uh, most of the countries, if not all, uh, at, uh, at my traffic, uh, because we targeted those companies uh, who were first willing to spend some money with us and uh, a lot of money uh, or uh, more money with us. So I think that was the, the thing we did, uh, we did well. And, and, and you, so it feels like you managed to get to the right target audience, the right ICP quite fast. How did you guys actually got to say, okay, this is not working, this is not working? Did you have some kind of, I don't know, priority list? You guys were like going after, um, you know, like some kind of, uh, I'm just looking for tips basically to help out others that are going into the process of refining their target market. Do you have a few tips that help just refining it and, and stop Uh, very fast going after the wrong target basically listening the people you 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 
uh, you meet, uh, listening, being curious and understand why they are interested or why they are not interested. So listening is key uh, in sales and even more specifically in terms of the ICP. Uh, second thing I would say is data mm -hmm. uh, because the more you enrich uh, your uh, target market, the more you enrich your contacts, the more you enrich your companies, the more likely you are to make data-driven decisions and try to find some uh, lookalikes um, of uh, the companies uh, where you had some interest. And, uh, and maybe some, uh, last one, but some, uh, some help, uh, is gonna, is gonna, uh, or they're gonna recognize them, uh, if they, if they listen to the <laughs> podcast, but having a dedicated, uh, a growth team and a growth engineer being able to play around the data, around the numbers and being able also uh, to uh, test some of my uh, intuition uh, with real number and real data. Uh, working with them, uh, I think, has proven uh, quite uh, impactful. So to sum up, basically listening to as many calls as you can, trying to, uh, uh, I would say, match the data point and your second point as well, to to try to analyze it, get the data, um, enrich what you have over uh, on like potential companies to find those lookalike and get help, obviously, from your your network from your peers to make sure that you just repeat good patterns i would say and avoid making mistakes of everyone else which or listen to this podcast as well because that's also what we're trying to do here trying to make you avoid <laughs> avoid doing the same mistakes yeah no final final word is uh, thank you and you summarized it pretty well and to me it's uh, it, it's really a, a feedback loop and mm. so it's uh, it's loop. never ending you're, you're uh, right. you've never found your icp you are uh, um, uh, I mean, we uh, released some new products, some new features, uh, some new countries. And so that ICP is evolving over time. Mm. It's not a one shot. You find your ICP, you're, you're good to go. And so you need to have that uh, mindset in terms of uh, the feedback loop and never being uh, happy about finding your ICP. 100% agree with you here. Let's now go to the last section of every podcast, which is the Oops, My Bad Time. Whoops. My bad. For those who tune in the first time, it's uh, a few minutes at the end where the guest shares with us a mistake or a setback that happened during the country opening mission. Obviously, there are a few of them. As we know, we are making them all the time. But Edward, do you have something in mind you can share with us that we can learn from? Yeah, sure. Um uh, We discussed, and uh, it's something very... Uh, I'm really interested in the uh, HR part and hiring and, and, and all of that. Um, the, the hiring part to me is key. And I think everyone has made some, uh, some mistakes, uh, hiring people, uh, maybe too fast, too late, too senior, too junior and, and all of that. And so, uh, my analysis, is that the mindset is key uh, as much as the, the hard skill, especially when you launch a new business uh, and especially in a difficult country with a lot of competition. So that's my, uh, my first learning. And also that uh, first things first. And so sometimes it may be better to hire someone more junior, uh, hungry and coachable, and um, uh, that you will pay also a bit less because he's got less experience and that's, uh, that's completely normal. And with a, a smaller quota, rather than having someone and saying, okay, uh, that, that guy has a lot of experience, he's very mm -hmm. expensive, so he's going to have a 2 million, just, uh, just a random number I'm, I'm throwing, <laughs> uh, not to uh, disclose the, the real number, but someone, yeah, having 2 million uh, GBP close first year uh, as you launch the market in the UK uh, because you are not uh, yeah maybe first things first uh, you need to understand your ICP uh, you need to uh, do something repeatable uh, and uh, and, and it, it worked a lot better this way rather than say okay that guy has closed in the past million GBP deals he's gonna do it again uh, at my traffic or in uh, whatever company uh, yeah, first things first, it's maybe better to uh, 
close fifty one hundred two hundred deals before thinking about very experienced people closing a million million GBP deals. So I'm guessing this is what happened. Then you hired first a very experienced one, and then you you decided maybe uh, someone with less experience was was needed. Uh, I mean, I've hired many different people, and uh, on that uh, on that on that scale, mm. and uh, I could see that the correlation uh, in between the results and the hard skills and experience was a lot less than what I expected. Interesting. The mindset, the soft skills is maybe equally important. I agree with you. And as we just mentioned, sometimes having someone maybe younger in the experience, but hungrier can make just this thing happen. Because at the start, it's it's never the, the same to, to work on a mature market or to work on a market you're just launching. So the, um, definitely the soft skills are, are very important at the beginning. Sure, because <laughs> it's difficult to launch a new market. We're oh harder God, than yes. a, a mature market. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we know that. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Edward, for your time and for sharing all of your insights today. It was uh, very nice having you here. Yeah, thanks a lot for uh, receiving me. It was, uh, was a pleasure having that, uh, that discussion. I hope it will help uh, some uh, fellow head of sales. And uh, if I can help them even more, they can also contact me on, uh, on LinkedIn. I'm sure they're going to find me as well. Yes, and I'm going to add your uh, LinkedIn link basically in the description of the podcast. So thank you so much and just have to tell you until next time then. Have a good one. Bye-bye. All right. Thanks a lot, Tiff. Bye-bye. Cheers. Thank you so much for listening until the end. If you liked this episode, don't forget to subscribe to not miss the next one. And please share it with two people in your network. This is how this podcast gets more visibility and can help more of us to work on international markets. See you soon!